0: Welcome to Many Talks Podcast. Talking all business, entrepreneurship, property development, finance, and investment. Hey, Brees Many here, um, host of Many Talks. Got a fantastic guest with me today. Um, listening to some of the feedback that we've had from our listeners. You know, you want some more people talking about property as we're in the property space ourselves. Um, so the people that put on the podcast and work with myself, my back office team has found a fantastic guest for me today. Been a panelist on Property TV Question Time, um, live on Sky, so used to a camera, hopefully. Um, so we've got even Mayne Donald from Melt Properties with us today. Um, fantastic guest, it's great for you to come in, appreciate your time today. Good to be here, thanks for the invite. Fantastic. So, well, Obviously, so you've been in the property sector, um, originally from New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we've been having a catch up off, off camera. I mean, what, what this podcast is about, even is about giving back some value to young entrepreneurs to start off with. Right. Uh, but more importantly, as we're talking about off camera, my business, Hunter Jones, is we help high net worth and sophisticated investors um, look at an alternative in the property market. Uh, which we've just been talking about. So it's good to interview property developers, people in the sector, um, to give an expert opinion back to our listeners. So we thought that you fitted the bill very well. Um, You didn't start off doing property to start off with, it was more the technology you were selling back in New Zealand, is that correct?
1: Yeah, so I had an interest in a couple of things from quite an early age. So technology probably before property, but I started thinking about property as an investment actually at quite an early age. Like, okay. I remember pretty clearly, clearly when I was at university doing a, um, a class on, um, which was really just about accounting and financial leverage and, and understanding the sort of leverage that you can get out of investment and property. So it was yeah. something that from a financial point of view was in my mind for quite a long time. But yeah, technology I think was my first love. My, my father's a, a statistician, he bought a computer home when I was 12 and okay. I started programming that. And so that led to me doing a degree in computer science. Um, I worked in the technology industry in New Zealand. I sold computer systems. Uh, Moved to the UK in 1992, Uh, ended up working for BT. Um, they uh, in an international sales role. Um, Your me- full family
0: moved over, or just no, yourself? No, So
1: no. Okay. So my my mum is is from the UK. She's Welsh. Okay. I've got a sort of half of my family up in Mid Wales. Um, my father's a New Zealander. So I've kind of got a half a foot in this country. Yeah. Okay. I or I did have half a foot in this country already, and, and actually, strangely, I've I've lived in the UK now for longer than I lived in New Zealand. So. Do I belong there? Do I belong here? Hard to say. we we'll let, we'll let you decide. Well, I love both, I love both places actually. Yeah. Um, New Zealand is a beautiful place, but it's a long way away from, from anything. I, I miss the kind of the buzz and the connectedness of the UK. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm coming home when I fly into Heathrow and I feel like I'm coming home when I fly into Auckland. So, yeah, Fair enough. Both yeah.
0: So yeah, talk us through, um, you know, what, what was it like growing up as a kid? Did you see so you're an entrepreneur? You, you founded um, Melt Property in the UK is going extremely well which we come on to yeah. but when when you were younger did you did you have that spark of entrepreneurship in you already was you desire was that your desire what was it that you wanted to be when you was younger i think
1: i have always been a very entrepreneurial individual my career path was a corporate career path
0: okay
1: i think what was a really interesting revelation for me was um BT put, put me through an mba program at a swiss business school called imd um, that was in my late twenties, and um, one of the things that going through the MBA program really brought home to me is that I fit better in an entrepreneurial environment. Okay. And so I came back into BT, having completed the MBA program, tried to find a role that would allow me to be entrepreneurial and exercise the things that I'd learn. Mm-hmm. You know, make use of them, and I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find that role, and perhaps that's not surprising in, in a sort of a large structured corporate organisation yeah. like BT. And so I decided that I took a job working for a technology startup, which obviously allowed me to be a bit more entrepreneurial. Um, that lasted for about a year. I got out of that with a little bit of money, and I found myself at a, at a sort of a, at a junction point. I had to decide what it was that I was going to do okay. then. Um, it's worth saying I, I'd made an investment, actually, some property investments before that. Okay. I've got a friend in New Zealand who's a yeah. property developer, a guy's name's Mike Woodward, and I put some money into some property developments that he was doing, and I'd also backed them financially, so I was sort of, you know, I had half a foot in property by that point in time. But I was really inspired by what he did, mm. and so I guess I had to make a decision. Do I go back to corporate life, or do I do my own thing? And I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. So felt a bit like jumping off a cliff. Yeah, what's but,
0: that feeling like? I, I've been there, I mean, a lot of people that are listening, Some people are at that crossroads. They're like, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Should I wait? Should I wait for somebody to tell me it's the right time?
1: (laughs) You know, I think starting a business it's a, it's, a, it's a phrase I've heard from somebody else, but it's like jumping—it's like jumping off a cliff and assembling the aircraft on the way down. Yeah. you know, you just—you've just, you've just yeah. got to get it done yeah. before How you hit <laughs> the ground. Right, <laughs> long and as it's so, flying, it's
0: flying. And, and
1: particularly when you come out of corporate life. So yeah. I was earning a lot of money. I was—I was, I was travelling a lot. I was earning 180,000 pounds a year. That's you know that regular salary going into your bank account, yeah. which you know for my age and at the time was a lot of money. Um, it just stopped all of a sudden, and it really did feel like jumping off a cliff. I had to somehow find a way to replace that and make the company work. Um, so, yeah, it was it was disconcerting at first. The flip side of it is that I suddenly had the freedom to make my own decisions. Mm. Um, <laughs> the flip side of that is you become responsible <laughs> for your yeah, own yeah, decisions. decisions. You know, yeah. you can't leave your own company, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think, I haven't looked back. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change what I've done. It's been a really interesting 17 years. Yep. Um, I've learned an immense amount. I didn't know a lot about property development when I started. I know a lot about it now. Um, so in, in that last 17 years, we've built over 100 properties in London, yep. Gloucestershire and Kent, um, with end values of over £20 million. Um,
0: we're currently working on four projects.
1: And those projects have in values of around sixty million
0: pounds. Fantastic. Yeah. What when you're now obviously you said at the beginning to where you are now, you've learnt a lot, which is fantastic. What what separates there's a lot of developers um, around. You know, what separates you your developments from, from other developers or other developments that are, are in the marketplace, would you say? You mean in terms of the product that we built? Yeah, the end product. Yeah. So, do you have you set a goal in your business plan? Is it to aim at a certain particular person, young professionals, or is is it a mixed bag?
1: Each development is different. Okay. And I think what we try and do when we do a development is we understand the market in the the area of that particular site. Yeah. Uh, the product that we deliver differentiates itself from the mainstream housing developers. In terms of the specification and finish. Okay. So we have a, a concept that we call design led development. Yeah. And that really is about optimizing design for the people that will be living in that property. And so that's why we start with understanding who it is that's going to be living in that property and we form the design around the profile of those those people. So for example, our, our development in Gloucester, there's a there's a primary school behind it, there's okay. a high school across the road, there's a there's a Montessori school just down the road. So you know clearly that's gonna be and, and it's, quite a, it's quite a big site with mostly detached houses. Clearly that's going to be quite an attractive location for, for families, nice. you know, houses with gardens. So we've got a good feel for the sorts of people that are going to be moving into those properties, the design and the design reflects that, without going into the details specifically what yep. we're putting into, into those properties. But what we, what we do is we, um, we spend a little bit more on finishes, but we make the houses firstly bespoke, but they look, they look twice as good as our competitors' houses. So we're, we're quite happy when Chris Nicholson or, or, uh, or Barrett Homes come and start building down the road from us because we know that our products in comparison to theirs are just going to look a lot better.
0: A lot different. Yeah. And, a lot and so, so we differentiate better, better, yeah. ourselves through design. Through design. Ultimately, okay. yeah. And, and that design team, over 17 years, has it been tough to assemble the right team? I think we... Um,
1: have we change who we work with yeah. and we work with different architects um, on, on, every, in, on each different development? Not on each different development when we find a good relationship we tend to stick with it sure. but not every architect is right for every type of development And so what we try and do is we match the professionals that we work with to the the development that we're working on. We we did a development in in Hythe in Kent on the south coast, um, and the the architect that we used for the design of of that project was an architect called Guy Holloway. He's got a very strong reputation for contemporary design, particularly in Kent, but also now in London, really an up-and-coming architect. And the reason that we worked with Guy is because we wanted to deliver a development that was a a statement, in terms of design, but also something that fitted in and really complemented the local architecture. But I think the other thing is, um, and and we try and carry this philosophy through when we're when we're um, looking at how we design developments. Yeah. Um, we we it, it having Guy involved with that project helped us getting through the planning process because the planners wanted a design that was sensitive, yet innovative and. And, and contemporary and fit it in with the with the local landscape and, and I think we really deliver that in a big way and that and that we, we, we take that philosophy yeah. into the design of our developments we try and we try and deliver buildings that improve the locations in which they're built and have a positive impact on those places from a you know from a, an aesthetics perspective mm. but also improve the the the, the, the area and improve are of value to the community. Yeah,
0: adding value to
1: where and you're so, developing. And so actually, for me, it's a, it's a really interesting point because that's what drives me to do what I do.
0: That was going to be my next question. What is it that yeah. drives you? Is it to that is exa- add
1: value? That is exactly what drives me to, 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 to do what I do. It's, for me, it's all about being able to stand back and look at a development that we've completed and be proud of it. So mm. I, get, I get this intangible s- sense of satisfaction when I stand back and I look at a development and I can be proud of it and see that it's made a positive contribution to the place that it's built in. Yeah. Um, there's not, you know, For me it was really summed up, I, I did a, a development out in Gloucestershire which I completed back in 2005 and I took the worst building in the street and I, t- I turned it into the best building in the street. It was ugly and it was yeah. horrible and when it was finished it was beautiful. And to me, being able to stand back and look at that and say I was responsible for that just gives it's me a good great, feeling. Grace gives, gives me a great sense of pride. Yeah, it makes me feel like I've changed the world in a positive yeah. way.
0: Good. Yeah, it's a good feeling. So, when you first started, was your driver the same then? Was that why you started the business? Because you wanted to add value, or do you think that your purpose has changed as your business has grown? When I started
1: the business, it was really born out of an interest in architecture and an interest in property. Okay. I've always had an interest in, in property. Actually, strange, strangely, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in historic properties, but I'm also really interested in contemporary properties. Um, okay. Stuff in the middle doesn't excite me that much. But I, you know, so I, I did the conversion of a, a grade two listed Victorian former grain warehouse in Gloucester Docks, that and, getting, and, and that caused you a, a
0: few headaches.
1: <laughs> it did, but it was an incredibly rewarding I can project. Imagine, yeah, you know, once so it was finished. Yeah. So, so this, this building was built in eighteen sixty six, and I remember when we took it used to be a grain warehouse. Yeah. We, we took the we took the windows out. We put new windows in, and we found in the underneath of this um, window some grain. <laughs> Obviously oh, yeah. Come from the, from when it was used as a grain <laughs> yes. warehouse. Um but also a piece of newspaper which was about a hundred years old. Okay. And so you know you take that out and you there's a piece of history there. And I don't know, just the feeling that you get that you're sort of you're unpacking history and then you put this thing back together and you deliver a place where people can live and a building that people can use. Um, for me, that's
0: just really uh, rewarding. And, and you're in go, so you're a developer. do you sell all of your units at the back end, or do you refinance and retain some of them for your personal portfolio?
1: Um, so it's a mixed strategy, I think. Okay. Development is the core business and, and we do sell, I would say 70 to 80% of the stuff that we build. Some developments in particular places where there's a where there's a good rental yield, um, we may just t- develop to keep. So we're doing a 10 unit development and in, in, it's actually 10 residential units plus okay. two commercial units in a place called Cinderfit in Gloucestershire at the moment. Um, the market's a bit slow there, rental yield's good. We've already got about 25 properties in Cinderford, so it, it's easy for us to just put that into our rent, rental property yeah. portfolio. So that one's a built to rent scheme. We have some investors in that scheme, and and actually that works well for investors because there's a guaranteed exit at the end. We don't yeah. have to wait around for things to sell. The development in Gloucester, which is only half an hour's drive from there, um, is, is a completely different kettle of fish. They're larger detached units. Um, rental yield on those is not so good. It's a more attractive location from a from a, a sales point of view f- and for buyers. So, yeah, that one, that one that we that one we're selling. So it it is a bit of a mix. But um, from the outset, we pursued a deliberate strategy of not just property development, but but property development and investment. Yeah. Because what we wanted to do was build up an income stream that gave us a hedge against the cycles of, of the development market. Because we, we, you know, I was aware that at some point there would be a crash in the market. Yep. There always is, the market's cyclical. And so I think what we've tried to do is build resilience into our business by building different revenue streams so that if we can't do property development, we've got other things got to fall back on in the yeah. meanwhile. So that's, that's been an investment property portfolio, but we all, we've also built up a, a short-term letting po- property sort yeah, of well. serviced accommodation. And that philosophy Something that gives is, you an income. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons actually why we've bought investment into our business as well. Yeah because that enables us to deleverage de- it provides a bit of a hedge against the ups and downs of the market yeah I it's understand. also another reason for geographical diversification well that's so, what I was going to yeah. say is how do you
0: pick your sites when because you, know, you, you said you've got some Kent Surrey Gloucestershire yeah we've got nothing in Surrey at the moment it's all it's London Gloucestershire and Kent okay and that's a pretty
1: tight focus yeah um, we'll look at Who stuff picked and, them how did you come across um, me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we started <laughs> in Gloucestershire yeah um, and I suppose one of the things that we observed as we've been doing development in Gloucestershire is that the market moves in different cycles in different parts of the UK, and so you know London might be on on the up while Gloucestershire's down, and then vice versa. Yeah. And I suppose I guess if you've got a foot in each market, it, na- it enables you to buy when the market's flat in one place, and be selling when the market's good in another. They don't generally move at the same speed. What tends to happen is London goes, it kind of you know that. It, when, when and then when London starts to call cool off it moves out to the regions yeah and so the strategy of doing development in those three places was was deliberate um, what we try and do is we try and do developments that are um, less than an, than an hour from where I have we're either where I am or one of one somebody that works lives okay. okay. so yeah. that we can get to site very quickly that's just yeah about, if you need that's to. just about efficiency um, but I think you know coming back to this so that's an element that, that's also about diversification. But um, the other thing that we've started to do is to look at more or, or to adopt more of a focus on commercial development rather than residential development. So historically our business has been mostly residential with a bit of yep. commercial. Okay. Because the market in London is relatively flat at the moment, um, the, the, the development that we're doing in Kennington is is primarily commercial-led. Okay. Um, and that's so that we're not... Just to give us a better security of exit. Um, so we're not exposed to the ups and downs of the residential yep. property market.
0: Okay, and just talking about, obviously, the ups and downs of mar- the market, we can't really um, finish up without talking about Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As, has it affected your business? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's no doubt that Brexit has had a calming effect on the markets. It, it, it's affected it in a negative way and a positive way. Um, Brexit has created buying opportunities, yep. um, the fact that it's been difficult for people to move sites on, the fact that the market is not so hot, has created a, an opportunity to buy sites. It's also At a, a good make, price. At a good price, yep. yeah. It's also made some people nervous, and, so, and it's made mm-hmm. investors nervous, and some, some people have just decided they want to stay out of the market. So um, everyone has a different view on what's going to happen. But I I guess if you're, property is a long-term game, and and if if you're in it for long enough, or if you take a long-term enough view, and you make sure that you're positioned to hold for a long enough period, then you're not gonna be um, impacted by the the short-term ups and downs of the market. My personal view is that when we get, um, on the assumption that we actually do get out (laughs) (laughs) of the EU, um, when we get out, we are likely to see some form of a rebound whatever happens, just yep, because definitely. people know what's going to happen. I think yeah, the other thing that's worth worth bearing in mind is pe- people have a, the tendency to blame the current flatness of the London property market on Brexit, and, and while it's a factor, I think the stamp duty changes that the government and the tax changes for landlords that the government introduced about three years ago mm. have had more of an impact. Um, they've driven a lot of investors out of the market certainly made it very unattractive to buy expensive property in London, yep. and, and it's, I don't think it's any coincidence that the tops come off the prime central London property market in such a big way. It's the confluence of those two factors. But mm. for me, I think, um, given, given that that stamp duty effect is a one-off effect, um, and and I think given that the uncertainty around Brexit is likely to be resolved fairly soon, I think I think we'll see a um, a bit of a rebound once the once the Brexit veil is yeah. lifted. Yeah,
0: and you know, property investing can be a daunting um, experience if you've never done it before. Yeah, what kind of advice could you give to one or anybody that's looking to make an investment into the sector? Um, what, what what would you recommend doing before? before taking action?
1: I would say research. Yep. You know, take your time, don't make an investment if you're not completely comfortable with it. Mm. Um, and if you're not comfortable, you need to learn more. Um, I think there are lots of different ways to invest in property. vitally is less attractive than it used to be mm. because, um, the for small landlords, because the government's made that unattractive. If you've got, if you've got a volume of, of investment properties like we do, it's, it's yeah. slightly different. Um, situation because the tax changes affect landlords like us yeah. in, a, in a different sort of a way. But um, I think also be aware of the different types of, inve- of investment opportunity there are. It doesn't have to be a direct investment in your own property. You yeah. can invest in, in crowdfunded yeah. um, in, um, opportunities and you know we, we offer investors the opportunity to invest in our development projects. That enables them to access the returns that were only really previously available to large-scale um, or to people who had, you know, millions of pounds to deploy. Yep. So I think, you know, the, the way that finance has changed is is democratizing the the ability of people to invest in in property and to invest in property developments. There are many more options out there than there used to be. Um, but I think the key to it is understanding what's available, and uh, and understanding what you are comfortable with. But I think. The advice I would give to anybody yep. who's considering doing that is spread your risk. You know, Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, spread your investment over higher risk things, lower risk things.
0: Different different stuff, different ways yeah, of exactly. investing in property. Now, I think
1: you know, that, that's a basic because um, y- you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. If one investment goes wrong, you could end up losing all your money. Mm. You don't want to do that. You want to spread it across lots of things. Make sure you're comfortable and make sure that
0: you're... Um, that you know what it is that you're getting into. Correct. Some great advice there for people that are listening. Um, spread your risk It's, it's always the best um, best option. There's a lot of different avenues out there to, to make investments, whether it be property or other opportunities that you're looking at. Mm. Make sure you do your due diligence. Speak to experts. Speak to people that have been there and, and done it before. Yeah, and I think, I think the other thing that's worth saying, Reese, is...
1: is you know, I'm teaching you to suck eggs when I say this, but um, <laughs> it'll, I'm sure it'll resonate with some people listening. Um, look at what the security is behind Definitely. whatever it is that you're investing in. Look at the track record of the people who are doing it. Look at how much experience they have. Look at whether they've done it before. Um, and look at how your investment is, is,
0: is actually secured. What's, yeah. what's actually what, sitting what you've behind got. that. What, what, yeah. what assets you've got if there is a problem. yeah, Because, exactly. you know, yeah. in, invest in... You invest for, for, for returns, but you can sleep well at night knowing that you've got ultimate security in what you've put your money into if you've done your research correctly.
1: And the, and the rule in property inv- investment is that whatever backs the asset should be matched with the return. Yeah. So if you make an equity investment in a project, you should expect a higher return. If it's a debt investment and it's secured by say a first charge over a property, you expect a lower return. Mm. What, you, what you wouldn't want is you don't want a low return without the security behind yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and y- and you won't find a you won't find a you f- won't find a high return without solid security yeah. behind it. or sorry you won't Only, find a high return not. unless the security behind it maybe is maybe is, is not as strong as say a first charge right. so the two should match you know high return it, it, is is matched with maybe slightly less strong security, lower return, stronger security.
0: I think the main thing there, the main benefit is always check what the security is, make sure that there is always underlying security. The risk and the reward should match. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well look, a couple of more things I just want to run through before we finish up. You've been on Property TV. Yeah, do a (laughs) lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. You like the camera? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I do. How how did that come about?
1: Um, So I started, Doing, um, I did I did a program they they um, did in 2018 called 18 for 2018. Okay. So they they did profile a profile of 18 property developers that were up and coming in 2018. That really kicked me off. Um, I then started doing stuff on on property TV Question Time. That's more sort of general property based. Um, I'm a, more of an expert in property development. Okay. I mean, I know about property. Well, I say more of these. Ex- I'm more interested in property development, and I know know more mm. about property development. So then I started doing something with them called Property Developers Question Time, and that's a more developer focused okay. um, program. That led into me doing um, some stuff on my own YouTube channel. It's called The Main Thing. Um, okay. We'll be turning that into a podcast as well. I'm, I'm going to need to interview you. Lovely. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so. Um, and we'll be doing some more bits and pieces with with um, with property TV. Different things they're doing. They do a program called Developing Britain, which is about profiling um, developments as they go through um, from you know being a piece of land or a building to a finished product. Yeah. So yeah, I mean we like what they do. It's it's very pro- obviously very pro- property focused um, content. A lot of viewers.
0: I think 1.3
1: million viewers. I think so. Um, growing, yeah, no, growing definitely. And the guy behind it, Michael Hammond. I know Michael very well as well. So. Really, really interesting yeah, nice young guy. guy. Yeah. I mean, but he's impressive as well. Yeah. For me, somebody who at his age has managed to build that company, raise the raise the money to finance it. Um, he's you know he's got a lot going on, and I I really admire him.
0: Mm. Yeah. So what what's next for you? What's next for
1: me? Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be building. Um, a much stronger pipeline in London okay um, that um, the, the project in Kennington is um, f- focused on the apart hotel market okay um, so that along with co-living and co-working are really interesting markets for us so I don't necessarily mean doing um, you know, completed developments but but developing co-living and co-working um, projects for other for other companies yeah. so will then operate them same for in, the, in, the, in particularly the in apart hotel sector those two sectors are growing very quickly so yeah. we're going to be looking at doing more of those sorts of developments, I think we're going to be doing some, some more um, res- residential development in, in and around London. Um, and then I th- outside London, it'll, it'll be more building up the, the Melt Homes brand and, and expanding our, our geographical coverage through partnerships through partnership and joint ventures.
0: So if there's anybody that's been listening, anybody that want to get in contact, want to know a little bit more about yourself or your content that's out there. How, obviously, you just said about your YouTube channel. What What is it yeah. for our viewers? Let them know uh, how well they look, If you Google find me, yeah.
1: Evan, Evan Maindonald, donald you'll, you'll find me. I'm on about the first six pages of results, so okay. not hard to find. Um, very active on on Instagram, okay. um, also, but I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Fantastic. Um, if you Google the company, either Google Melt Homes or Melt, Melt if you look at the, the, the website, the Melt Property website, yep. Um, then uh, you'll find you'll find me very easily.
0: Fantastic, well look, even fantastic to have you on. It's been a great yeah. pleasure. Um, I think there's some key takeaways there for our viewers, our listeners, our investors. Um, this this was definitely a podcast for yourself. Um, any questions, feel free to get in contact with myself. I can always pass them on. Um, thanks again for coming on, it's been a pleasure. Real pleasure, and th- thank you thanks for inviting it. me. No problem. So for now, what I wanna do is thank you for listening, subscribe, Leave a review. Look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast with some exciting guests coming our way.